This episode of Hitting Play is brought to you by Tomorrow. Has this ever happened to you? Oh, I just had the worst day at school ever. Why don't you try tomorrow? Tomorrow? What is that? It's another day like this one, but different. The very next day. Oh, today was even worse. Well, that's because it wasn't tomorrow. Well, you can always try it again. The very next day. Oh, this day was no good, too. I just want a refund. Sorry, you can't get it back. It's yesterday, not tomorrow. Best way to start your day is by play. Hello, and welcome to Hitting Play, the podcast where we review, analyze, and discuss shows, movies, and other curiosities. I am Scott, and the timeline continues. Joining me is someone who still means a lot to the timeline, Kevin. I, I may have accidentally messed up something in the timeline. I, I'm not sure. Oh, uh, what'd you do? Well, you know the thing where you step in a puddle and it causes like a tidal wave or something on the other side of the earth? Yeah. That might have happened, but I was shoveling snow. I'm not, <laughs> I, I'm not sure what that means. I was wondering what that snow wave was. Yeah. So I don't know if that means that, you know... Hamish is, you know, on fire now or something. I, I don't know. So, so Hamish, uh, let us know how you're doing. <laughs> we'll check in with him very soon. <laughs> oh, wait, it is tomorrow over there anyway. Oh, I should have had Hamish on. He's a legend of tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, this week, uh, we watched the, of course, highly anticipated show about a group of individuals with special abilities assembled by a time traveler from the 22nd century to stop a despotic ruler from conquering the world. DC's Legends of Tomorrow. Now, of course, last week we reviewed the pilot part one. That was its debut. And for this episode, this week, we are reviewing pilot part two. A two-part pilot, so a two-part episode of Hitting Play. This, of course, was written by the show's creators, Greg Berlanti, Mark Guggenheim, Andrew Kreisberg, and Phil Klemmer, and directed by Glenn Winter. And as we mentioned last week, this is all part of that shared Arrowverse. If you haven't heard part one, please go back and listen to that, because uh, we, we definitely go a little more in-depth into these characters that we talk about in this part of the pilot as well. Now, this episode that we watched, Pilot Part 2, it aired on the CW on January 28th, 2016, one week after Part 1. So just to recap what we covered last week in part one of the pilot, uh, we see this, uh, this immortal conqueror of the world named Vandal Savage. He starts the whole series by killing this woman and her son, a boy named Jonas. Later on, we see that there's this time master uh, named Rip Hunter, and he assembles this ragtag team of people that will be legends in the future uh, to help stop Vandal Savage from taking over the world. We find out that Rip Hunter actually stole the time ship, and the reason why he assembled these characters to help him is that they didn't really mean a lot to the timeline, whether they lived or died. And that's not revealed until much later. And they make a big deal out of, you know, you can't mess with the timeline because that'll screw everything up. And then they immediately go and try and change everything. Yeah, they screw up quite a bit. <laughs> this, is, uh, this is not Back to the Future rules, as we'll get into. Yeah. <laughs> We learn that Vandal Savage was actually an Egyptian priest, and he killed the original Hawkman and Hawk Girl when they were just an Egyptian priestess and prince. And because of stuff like prayers and meteorites, they were somehow all bound together. And uh, this is uh, 
very much a part of their history as well as Vandal Savage's. Uh, this was told to them by their son from a past life who ends up dying <laughs> on the ship later on. But the whole group decides, you know, even though we were lied to and we found out that our lives really mean nothing, we are going to band together, become these legends of tomorrow that Rip told us that we could be, and we will continue to fight Vandal Savage. And the episode ends with Vandal Savage at a military base in Norway, petting his favorite Soviet nuclear warhead. <laughs> I hope that's an accurate recap. <laughs> Oh, and in case you're wondering, Hawkgirl doesn't really remember being Hawkgirl. Hawkman does remember pretty much everything, but didn't remember that they had a kid, so. Yeah, that's true. That is a very good point. That is so weird. Yeah, it's like, oh boy. Well, you know, when, when he said we're going to St. Roque University, Hawkman's like, St. Roque? He was surprised. I wonder if he's like, oh boy. I wonder if Aldous is there. <laughs> that's true. Maybe he just didn't want... <laughs> Maybe he didn't... <laughs> want to remember that he had a kid <laughs> <laughs> which we learned that they last left him in a hotel room in north carolina yeah and that's where he was found and i guess you know went on to lead a successful life but you think right after they were killed they would have been back because it was what right after world war Two? no world war one well, so what did they do in the meantime yeah i don't know a couple of lives in between and they really didn't care to see if aldous was okay i mean she didn't remember so <laughs> <laughs> I know, yeah, it's not on her. Nah. Poor Kendra was just a barista. That's why I always tip when you go get coffee. You never know who used to be an Egyptian priestess. Exactly. So let's get right into part two of the pilot of Legends of Tomorrow. So we open on Norway, 1975, as the, the group is traveling in the Wave Rider, their time ship, and Rip Hunter comes up with an idea to use Boardman's Notebook. Uh, a little bit of ADR here when he goes up to the uh, front of the ship and grabs that notebook. We hear a voice say, that's Aldous's notebook. <laughs> in case, you know, we weren't following along. Right. It's just really shoehorned in there. <laughs> I, it always cracks me up. You know, it kind of reminds me of, uh, watch out for snakes <laughs> in uh, Ega. <laughs> <laughs> a little out of place here, but uh, yeah. So they're using Aldous's notebook as a, a way to kind of pinpoint where Vandal Savage will be at various locations. So it's kind of cool. You know, this is their guide. It's almost the, the diary from Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, in a sense. There's more to that diary than just a map. <laughs> <laughs> so even though Rip Hunter kind of comes up with the idea, the group decides, yeah, we don't really need Rip. We can do things for ourselves. So we get Professor Stein, Snart, Rory, and White Canary and they're trying to enter this base that we saw at the end of the first part of the pilot. And we learn that it's really not so much a base. It's kind of just like where illegal arms are being sold. Yeah. You know, like a two-foot stage. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's literally a, a, a farmer's black market. But anyway, uh, Snart steals an ID, and he's using that to try to get in. There's, there's of course, a bouncer here. <laughs> not a very good one, because they're just like, no, 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 you'll let us yeah. in. So Snart steals somebody's ID, and he shows it to the guy at the door, trying to get the group in. But of course, he is doubted, and what does he say? You don't look, you don't look, and he, some, there's some name that he says, you don't look like him. And he's like, I am on my mother's side. <laughs> <laughs> just that odd delivery, you know, just kind of a meh. Yeah, weird <laughs> cadence by Wentworth Miller. 
it's still my favorite character. <laughs> oh, it's great. It's great. It's great. It's growing on me too. But his plan isn't really working. And of course, it's Professor Stein who steps up and really delivers this whole story about how they're this dangerous organization and all of the terrible things they've orchestrated and how, you know, they should not be doubted. And that was intimidating enough to get the whole group in. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> he's such a good actor. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. <laughs> you know, well, the, even his character is a good actor, you know? Yeah, right, right. <laughs> Where's this coming from? Yeah. Which, you know, you can say a lot during this. <laughs> <laughs> so they go into this black market expecting that Savage is going to be this one buying these terrible weapons that he's going to use in his campaign of world domination. But when they show up, they realize that Savage is not the buyer. He's the seller. And uh, Savage is up there, you know, he's uh, an auctioneer of sorts. Yep. It's pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> and in a very Dr. Evil manner, the bidding starts at $100 million. <laughs> I was cracking up at that. <laughs> so Savage looks down off this little platform, this stage, and he sees this group pretty close to the front. You'd think they would be way in the back, but they're there. No. <laughs> and he, he notices that, yeah, they don't look right. Something's different. Yeah. So Savage goes down and even talks to them face to face you know he's lived long enough to know when uh, someone is there to thwart him yeah it, and we also do see you know a cameo from uh damien dark here you know from the arrow series uh looking you know exactly the same as he does there so the benefit of whatever powers he's got going on <laughs> but that's cool you know that they're this is a shared universe and they are reminding us of that other than the fact that every one of these characters has come from another property. <laughs> now, as Savage approaches the group and he's talking to them, Stein tries to keep going with this, uh, this act that he's putting on, but he slips up here. Because he tells Savage that he doesn't think he's accumulated enough fissionable material in this era. Like, yeah, and you just play, oh, era. you know, it's, it's a uh, figure of speech. <laughs> <laughs> That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> no, not at all. They look out of place anyway, and now he knows that they're not only out of place, they're out of time. And so, Savage, I like this, he offers a 25% discount to anyone that kills Snart, Rory, and Stein. Like, oh wow, a coupon code. <laughs> now, at this point, Adam leaves Stein's pocket, Hawkman and Hawkgirl enter, and they all confront Savage. And uh, what does Savage do? as in any comic book type production, he presses a timer on the nuclear bomb. Yeah, for, what was it, two minutes? Yeah, something like that. Something, some ridiculous, like, it's a nuclear weapon. How far are you going to get in two minutes? Yeah, there's all your buyers going. Yeah. So Jax merges with Stein and becomes Firestorm. And what they do is they pick up the nuke and they fly it, it doesn't seem too far away, kind of just into the woods in Norway. Yeah. And they let it explode. And Stein tells him to focus on, you know, using his powers to absorb that nuclear energy and kind of like dampen that blast, which he does. And uh, he successfully absorbs most of the energy from the explosion. It leaves a big crater, but of course, saves everybody in the surrounding area. Yeah, <laughs> that whole thing was just crazy. You know? Yeah. <laughs> it, it looked pretty cool too, which I wasn't sure that, you know, Firestorm would be able to absorb an entire nuclear blast, you know? Yeah. I mean, I'm not too familiar with, with the character, so I don't know if he's 
done something like that in the comics, or I have no idea. Well, he is Firestorm the Nuclear Man, so it's like... Oh, okay. So I, I could understand him having that power, but that doesn't necessarily mean you can absorb the energy you're dishing out, either. Yeah. Either way. <laughs> yeah. It looked cool, and he saved the day, so... Yeah, I, I honestly thought he was just kind of fly up into the sky with it. Right. But no, he just kind of stashes it away in the woods. So... This whole plan that the group decided to come up with, uh, independent of Rip, really didn't work out so well. And they returned to the Wave Rider arguing with one another. You know, we're going to have these scenes where the group doesn't get along and, you know, there are these, you know, bumps in the road on the way to becoming a united group of heroes. But the problems continue. <laughs> we find out <laughs> that uh, while the Atom was fighting, he left a piece of the technology from his suit at the fight at this base. And Savage and his men used it to make technologically advanced weaponry in the future. Like, uh, Gideon, the sentient program of the Wave Rider, uh, was able to look into the future and see what exactly the consequences of this are. And we see a projection, like a hologram, of Central City completely in ruins in our present day, 2016. So really, just the, f the future's already ruined. Yep. Just by him leaving one of those, I guess it was, uh, they mentioned it was like a piece of technology. It seems to be one of the blasters that's on his hand or his arm. Yeah. So you could see how they could reverse engineer this into a very powerful weapon. But now this is kind of a confusing aspect of the show. As Rip shows that, you know, this is Central City, it's completely in ruins, or even if they call it Central City in this time, whatever the fascist leaders call it. Uh, they have time to fix that future. Because time is like cement. It takes time to set. I don't get that aspect of yeah. the show. <laughs> yeah. To me, it would seem instantaneous, but you can always right the wrongs with the time machine. Right. You know, it's, it's like a projection, so it's probably, you know, it's like already happened. Like, that's, those are the consequences. Yeah, I mean, I, I suppose in this particular instance, it makes a little bit of sense because they have to, you know, reverse engineer the thing. So you've got until they do that to get it back. But I, I would assume there's definitely other instances where, you know, they accidentally, you know, maybe they land the spaceship on top of somebody important, and, you know, yeah. killing them instantly. Well, that would have an instant consequence. But again, you can just take the time machine and just go back, you know, five minutes earlier and land elsewhere or, or go back to when the point in time that you were before and tell yourself, Hey, next time don't park there. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm so stuck in the Back to the Future set of rules where it's like the, the almanac in Back to the Future Part 2, Biff Tannen knew the outcome because, uh, you know, it was in the almanac. He didn't have to wait for the, the game that he was listening to on the radio to finish. Right. You know, before he knew the result. So to me, it's like, who cares if they haven't even reverse engineered it yet? It's in their hands. Therefore, they will, in the future, reverse engineer it. Therefore, the future will be ruined. So right. now we got to stop that one event from happening. Yeah, I, I'm almost hoping somewhere, like, in this series, they do one episode where it's just a giant, like, <laughs> nightmare of just, oh, no, we screwed up, we got to time travel back and fix the, you know, just over and over and over, and they have keep having to go back and all this. Or <laughs> and like, encounter themselves. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. I think that could be a fun episode if they do that. Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, they, they seem pretty willing to have fun in this show. Yeah, but yeah, it, some of the rules are a little hazy at this point. Now we have a scene here where Hawkman and Hawk Girl they're talking in private. Uh, again, I could do without a lot of this stuff. And we learn that uh, Professor Boardman, who passed away in the last episode, his body's now in cryo storage. I don't know if 
we're going to see him again? If there's a reason why they actually want to preserve his life, they kind of said, like, time, it doesn't matter, time will get these people. Like, he was going to die within 24 hours anyway, and it just seems as though it doesn't matter what they're going to do to try to save him, he was going to die somehow. Right. So I don't know if he, why he was in cryo storage for that time, maybe just so it wouldn't stink up the joint? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> maybe it'll just be one of those situations where it just ends up being like a throwaway line, you know, that, oh yeah, we did this, and they just yeah. don't you know, it's kind of a placeholder, like just in case we need, you know, another filler episode, we can bring him back and then see what happens. And so Hawkman reveals that he found this article and it's about an artifact called the Ammon Dagger. And the Ammon Dagger was sold in this article to a Russian collector. Yeah, and this is the actual dagger that was used when Hawkgirl and Hawkman were initially killed. So uh, it's obviously that's the... Uh, Thing they've got to go get. Yeah, and, and we find out that it was a gift from Hawkman when he was known as Prince Khufu to the priestess Chayara. Uh, it had uh, some sort of love poem written on it, inscribed on it, and uh, this was, you know, like you said, Savage used that to kill them. So it right. has some significance. It has some importance to the three of them, which we will get into. And it has an inscription, which, of course, Hawkgirl cannot remember. <laughs> well, right, yeah. But I can't read. <laughs> What's to read? It's like, I, dog guy, corn, another eye. Beautiful poem. But more importantly now, they have to get that tech from Adam's suit back. They really have no future to return to at this point. They've already uh, seen that what happened to it. Adam mentions that the piece of his suit that's missing, it emits alpha particles. So it's a radioactive thing he's wearing on his body. <laughs> totally safe. Yeah, really. And the problem is it's 1975, and so they don't know how to track it. it. It's too bad that they weren't in something from the future that can detect almost everything else. Right. Hmm. Yeah, I was just kind of baffled by that as well. Like, well, wait a minute. Don't they have, like, a room that can create clothing? <laughs> yes. <laughs> But you can't track alpha particles. Okay. I, I, I found this very perplexing. And, and alpha particles, I didn't think were that recent of a discovery. I, I thought this was kind of known for a while. And uh, they were able to, I guess they want to be able to detect it from way far away. But they, they're really stuck now. How, how are we going to find alpha particles flying around? If and, only uh, there was some sort of genius. <laughs> hmm. I know, yeah. Oh, yeah, there is. Professor Stein. Hey, I was an alpha particle expert in 1975, where we happen to be. <laughs> they didn't even have to switch times or anything. He was an alpha particle expert there, happening to create this alpha particle detector for some reason. You mean the alpha particles that won't be able to be detected for another 20 years? <laughs> <laughs> So Hawkman and Hawkgirl show the group this article that they found about the Ammon Dagger, and they reveal that it can be used to kill Vandal Savage as long as they also read the words that are inscribed on it. Which, unfortunately, Hawkgirl has forgotten how to read. Yes. Now, Hawkman does remember, as he remembers mostly everything. Right. Uh, she's still trying to kind of find her memories of the past lives, especially the original life, which is the most important. Now, of course, going to steal something, that's 
perfect for Snart and Rory, so they agree that they are going to try to steal this dagger from the Russian collector, and they are going to bring the Atom along with them. But he can't bring his tech. No. Because <laughs> that didn't work out so good last time. Absolutely. So meanwhile, Professor Stein, Jax, and the White Canary travel to Ivy Town in 1975 to retrieve a particle tracker from the young Stein. And this here is another perfect example of, you know, how well they do, you know, the various era scenes. It yeah. just looks really cool. So, And the soundtrack helps. Yep. Disco Inferno or whatever <laughs> they happen to be playing at the time. And uh, we find out that Professor Stein, as a youth, was a jerk. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Just really this arrogant kid. Kid genius, of course. Mm -hmm. And Stein uh, introduces himself as Professor Elon Musk. <laughs> Just reminds me of Marty McFly being Clint Eastwood. Yes. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, so they, they're becoming chummy with the young Stein. And again, uh, not to mention Back to the Future too much here, but I'm so used to those rules. It's like, no, you can't meet your younger self. <laughs> it's almost like, remember in the, the Star Trek movie, the reboot, how, uh, you know, Spock could not talk to his younger self. They couldn't meet. But of course, that was just uh, a fake warning. They, they could meet. Doesn't matter. Yep. They, in fact, consult with him later on and everything. Yeah. So it's kind of like that reality. Yeah, so it's just kind of a, no, no, you can't meet. Uh, no, we've never met. Oh, okay, problem solved. <laughs> <laughs> so we cut back to the ship where Hawkman is trying to help Hawk Girl remember how to read that language on the dagger. And uh, I guess, uh, who needs a Rosetta Stone when you have meditation? Right. And finally, now she remembers they were an item. So, of course, Hawkman decides, well, now is the perfect opportunity. <laughs> and yeah. no. <laughs> yeah, I know. Just uh, make a pass at her. It's like, hey, uh, don't worry about our deceased older son that you just found out we had. Right. But then uh, he smooth talks her with this whole thing about, you know, it's all right. You don't have to fall in love with me in this timeline. I know you're worth the wait. And, of course, that's all it takes to win her over. But yep. then <laughs> they move on to trying to decipher the code on the dagger. Now, we cut to Savage and his men at Savage's laboratory, evidently. And uh, <laughs> Savage believes that the group that he saw, rightfully, was from the future. So he gives his men 24 hours to reverse engineer the Atom's technology, that little blaster that they have. And uh, one, one guy's like, 24 hours? I, I don't think... And, of course, Savage kills him. <laughs> That's... Uh, <laughs> It's uh, incentive enough to get it done within the day, folks. We will have a pizza party. <laughs> I just love it. It doesn't seem that complicated. You just push this button here and kaboom. <laughs> <laughs> Any more stupid questions? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so Snart, Rory, and the Adam go to steal the dagger while Stein, Jefferson, and the White Canary talk physics with the younger Stein. That's the only way they can really kind of get him to open up and, and try to get on his good side is pretend that they're very interested in physics. And they do not do a very good job of pretending. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> so we cut back to Snart and Rory, and they really intend to steal more than just the dagger. That's one thing now we're going to see throughout the show is they're, they're a little more self-interested. Uh, they put their own interests first. Uh, before that of the team, you know, or at least while they got one mission going on, they kind of got their own side missions, usually to steal something valuable for themselves. Yeah, that's going to make their characters just a lot more interesting because you know 
they're just going to do something like this, like that's going to cause some problem <laughs> down the line. So it's, you know, you kind of see hints of them being good, but then just, no, the true nature just kind of comes out. Right, right. I, I love the fact that there are two villains on this team. That's, it makes it a little more interesting to watch. Yeah. A little more than the CW style drama between the Hawk couple. Yeah. <laughs> or even, uh, <laughs> even the Firestorm couple. <laughs> <laughs> so they find the dagger and it's on this like encased display case, like in a, on a pedestal in the middle of this room. And so while they're working on that, of course, bars come down and they're trapped. This is like right out of Super Friends. Yeah, exactly. Oh, perfect. He can just, the atom can just shrink down and, oh, wait. No, <laughs> not this time. Womp, womp. <laughs> Now, Hawk Girl meditates again, and here we see her memories that the dagger was the gift from Khufu slash Hawkman, and the inscription was this love poem, and it's a promise that they'd be together forever. And didn't that come true? Yep. <laughs> For better or worse. Till death do them not part. <laughs> again. <laughs> <laughs> so we see Stein, Jefferson, and the White Canary, they're, they're talking with the young Stein, and we see that he's really arrogant. At first, Jax really likes him, you know? It's, like, really funny to see the professor as this, you know, little jerk. But he's uh, less and less liking him <laughs> the more he gets to know him. Uh, I guess a, a recreational pot smoker as well? Yeah, apparently quite a fan. And so was everybody else? Yeah. That was kind of interesting to see. Yeah, yeah, and you even see uh, it's the canary, I think, uh <laughs> <laughs> grabs the joints off the yeah. table as they're leaving. Yeah, it steals it at the end. Uh, so they end up just knocking him out because they, they want this particle tracker. He doesn't want to give it up. They, they try to spin this tale that, oh, we're writing a review about you and we just need to take it for a few hours to take photos. Yeah. Uh, and it's like, no, I've worked so hard on this. And, <laughs> and I love that when they knock him out, it's with like this just gigantic bong that they hit him over the head with. <laughs> <laughs> Professor Stein's like, this beautiful brain. <laughs> so they have it. They're about to leave. But Stein says, no, you know what I have to do is I have to set an alarm. Because it just so happens that that night there's some faculty event. And one of the professors brings his niece. Yes. And that ends up being his future wife. So he wants to make sure, I guess, can you wake up from <laughs> being knocked out with an alarm clock? Who knows? <laughs> Maybe back then you could. <laughs> so he sets the alarm clock and i guess that's enough and they they head back for the ship so now using this particle tracker stein jacks and the white canary are led to savage's lab we see canary just beats up some men and pretty much just takes it yep this was a pretty easy fight there was not much going on in this scene i expected uh, a little more of a complication to their plan but no pretty yeah easy. especially where they made the comment that you know like <laughs> she's she's stoned <laughs> Yeah, she was high out of her mind and still just uh, so proficiently trained in uh, martial arts that it was really not much of a fight, especially against scientists, I guess. Yeah. Now, we cut back to see Snart and the Atom working on, on getting out of that room of bars that descended upon them. And uh, we get a little dialogue between the two of them. And, you know, Adam uh, realizes that Snart is not dumb like Rory. You know, he's actually quite intelligent. And it's because his father was also a thief and brought him in on jobs and... He learned a lot, and it's just he would have been uh, something more if he applied his expertise to good instead of thievery. Yeah, and he basically just says, nah, it seems kind of boring. <laughs> yeah. Now, as they're working on this, 
Rory is held at gunpoint by the homeowner who has returned. And even though he had a Russian name here, it really was Vandal Savage. Vandal Savage. Savage. <laughs> of course. They're at Vandal's house. They should have looked at the mailbox. Exactly. <laughs> what, what's funny is the exterior shot of the mansion, I swear they've used that same house in some other show on the CW. It like, looks I, like the Flash's house that he yeah. grew up in. That's what it looked like to me. I, yeah, I couldn't quite place it. I was like, okay, was that... It, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't the Luther Mansion, because I know they've reused that from Smallville in some other show. And the remember. X-Men movies. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I couldn't remember. I was like, is that in, like, Beauty and the Beast or, you know, <laughs> Flash or Arrow? <laughs> Where is this from? I know I've seen it, you know? Yeah, I had that same thought, too. And I think it was from the Flash pilot at the beginning when we see uh, where he grew up. So, yeah, it's uh, probably a reused set. Yeah. Now, as we cut back to Stein, Jax, and the Canary, they're returning to the timeship, and Stein notices that his wedding band is now blinking out of existence. <laughs> this is, uh, I guess, more of that quick set cement. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so he notices that something happened to make his wife and him not get together. And, of course, they turn around to find out that young Professor Stein has followed them there. You stole my toy. <laughs> I want it back. <laughs> <laughs> well, technically, I didn't steal it from you because I am you. <laughs> so now back at Vandal Savage's house, he realizes that they must be there to stop him for some reason. He must have done something in the future. He's not stupid. He's lived so long. He knows if time travelers are trying to stop him, he probably did some pretty cool stuff. <laughs> so... He tells them to call the other members of the group on their communication device. Uh, cutting back, uh, we see uh, young Stein takes his particle tracker back, and Stein, the older Stein, wishes him a good life. Not really telling him anything about what he will become in the future. Right. Back at the mansion, Snart contacts the group from Savage's house, and they eventually arrive. And uh, we get a little of a fight here. Firestorm shows up, he hits Savage with this nuclear blast, uh, temporarily taking him down, and and uh, he helps Snart and Rory and the Atom to escape, and they hand Hawkman the Ammon Dagger. So it's like, all right, here we go. So Hawkman and Hawk Girl decide that the two of them are going to fight Savage, while the rest of the group fights Savage's men outside. Yep. How about we get like three guys on his left arm, three guys on his right arm. <laughs> <laughs> Let's all really hold him down. You can really yell out this poem and stab him. But no. No. This is our fight. Okay. He's killed you a million times since ancient times? Okay. <laughs> this is the time it ought to work. Well, no, because this time's different. Because... Uh... <laughs> uh... <laughs> I don't know. I can't remember anything. <laughs> Now, here's my problem with the dagger, and maybe this will be clarified, but now if Savage knows, he obviously knows that there is some significance to it because he added it to his prestigious collection. First of all, why display it? Second yeah. of all, why preserve it? That's you know, true. Fire it into the sun. Fire it off into space. Use all the technology that you have, all the money at your disposal to, to destroy it in some way. He's a big fan of knives. Yeah. So I'm, But still... <laughs> Well, I mean, it, it, he he explains like, you know, this is my favorite out of my collection. It's like, okay, well, obviously there's some sentimental value because of his love for Chiara. 
uh, had no problem killing her a million times, but right. uh, still wants to hold on to that knife. If that's his twisted reason for holding on to it, all right, I'll buy it, comic book logic. But yeah, like this is the one thing that'll kill me. Well, throw it away. Yep. <laughs> Destroy it. So here we are, Hawkman, Hawk Girl, Savage, all fighting in the house. Now Hawkman stabs Savage with the dagger and recites the poem in English. Yeah. What was the whole point of trying to learn the ancient language? <laughs> Why didn't Hawkman just go, listen, don't worry about meditating, trying to remember that ancient language. I'll translate it for you. Here, get, get a piece of paper. Yeah. Check my dead son's jacket. He might have some paper and a pen. Write this down. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'll tell you, and uh, why don't you hold on to it and read it when the time comes? No, it didn't even matter. So anyway, he recites this poem about, you know, my love will come back to me and all this stuff. Which was just kind of funny because, you know, he's basically saying it too savage. You know? like, <laughs> this isn't awkward. Uh, <laughs> uh, you're the love of my life, uh, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and so Savage pulls the dagger out turns it around and stabs Hawkman with it. He reveals that, uh, you know, it was his lover's blade, so she must be the one who wields it. Well, don't tell him that. <laughs> now they know. Oh, she'll forget anyway if she dies. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, tell her anything you want. Give her your social security number. It's as good as safe. But yep. you tell Hawkman something, he comes back and seems to remember pretty much everything. So don't give him any details. Exactly. No, this is how you kill me, you idiot. <laughs> See you in a year or two. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I had so many problems with the three of these characters. Yeah. If I was Savage and I get stabbed, yeah, it's going to hurt. He's immortal, but it's going to kill. But play dead. Just be like, oh, finally, you thwarted me. You were a worthy adversary. Plop. And then just fall down <laughs> and let them all leave and then pull it out. Clean it up, put it back on the display case, and yep. go about your business. You know, shave the beard and buy a, a wig or something and keep going. Yeah. But no, tells him everything about how to defeat him. and <sighs> So, Carter now dies. Hawkman is dead. And uh, we know he's dead because we see his, like, life force get absorbed by Savage. So the theory that Professor Boardman came up with that we learned in last week's episode, it was true. Their life energy sustains... Vandal Savage's immortality. So as long as he keeps killing them, he's going to just keep living forever. Savage now turns his attention to Hawkgirl, and he stabs her while declaring his love, which uh, I don't think it's going to work. <laughs> Savage is then blasted out of the window by the Atom as the rest of the group enters. Well, there you go. There's, there goes the villain. <laughs> yep. Angle that aim a little bit differently so he just slams the wall, but whatever. So he's gone out into the wilderness. They're not too concerned about collecting Savage, it seems. They just bring the ailing hawk girl back to the ship and uh, right to the medical bay. And she cries that uh, she never told Carter that she remembers she loved him now. It's like, well, you'll see him. I was going to say, give it a little bit. He'll be back. Yeah. Now, I, I don't get how the reincarnation works with time travel now. Does now, in the dystopian... 2016 a baby get born that becomes carter oh right i don't i don't get it or will there be a child now born in the 70s that becomes this version of carter i would think that probably would be the case but wouldn't there now be two of them in that timeline yeah. and where's the carter in the 70s yeah get the carter and kendra from the 70s and see what they're up to they're probably they might be in their 50s or something who knows but see what's up with them 
Yeah, it's it's, it's very it, confusing. It is confusing, and you know they've they've neglected their son, this professor, all these years. They're still out there, unless the unless it skips a few generations between reincarnations. Oh, maybe. But they have a time ship, even though they don't have a Hawkman. There's plenty out there, so just go pick up one. Yeah. You know, <laughs> they could pick up the original one if they wanted to. Right. But I guess, well, I guess they can't disturb the timeline, but as we see, <laughs> they don't, they <laughs> they don't, don't seem care. to care. <laughs> <laughs> now, because she is in just such a bad state, uh, we learned last week that when they fly through time, it really does a lot of nasty stuff to your body because you weren't meant to experience time in that way. Uh, it gives you temporary blindness and Bleeding nausea. from the eyeballs. Yeah, bleeding and all kinds of crazy stuff. So because of that, Rip is like, all right, we're going to stay in 1975 for a while because she could get worse if we jump through time. In the meantime, we see that Rip brings Stein to the mixer where he first met his future wife. And uh, as he brings him there, Stein looks down and his wedding band returns. And Rip reveals that he did contact the young Stein and encouraged him to intend. It's like, hello, who's this? Uh, I'm nobody, but why don't you go to that party? There's a nice girl that might be there. <laughs> Click. Huh, well that seemed weird. I guess I'll do it. <laughs> I'm desperate enough to take the advice. And yeah. so, you know, w when they look, they see... The young Stein with this young girl, and uh, I guess they get along immediately, and that's enough to ensure that yes, they will get married in the future. <laughs> and and Rip appreciated that Stein risked his future life with his wife for Rip's life in the future with his wife and son. And he adds that you know while time changes, people don't. So you know Rip, even though is like very very opposed to altering anything, he saw. All the effort, you know, for his wife and son that he never met. And uh, he wanted to do the same for his future family. Now, we cut to the Wave Rider again. Back on the ship, the group is just completely discouraged. Hawk Girl is completely injured now. Uh, Hawkman is dead. And uh, was it Captain Cold who says, you know, every time they make a plan, it all goes to crap. <laughs> and, you know, Rip is trying to encourage them. He's saying, well, you know, this future technology... It's no longer in the hands of Vandal Savage, so there's something. Yeah. So this is where we kind of get this moment. This is the uh, the crossroads that they reach. Should they fish or cut bait? Which, does anybody even know what that means anymore? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I would cut bait when I'm going fishing. Right. So should we fish or fish? <laughs> no, so they wonder if they should go back to 2016 and live out the rest of their lives as insignificant losers, or... Make another play at becoming legends. And they agree, you know, they're going to continue to follow Rip Hunter's lead and try to take out Vandal Savage for Carter in the memory of this guy that they just met. <laughs> <laughs> so Professor Stein asks Rip Hunter where they're going next. Rip gives a little glance to the audience and uh, we see the Wave Rider fly into the clouds as the Legends of Tomorrow embark on their next mission. And that is the end of part two and the end of this two-part pilot. So yeah. what are your thoughts, Kevin? <laughs> I, I still don't think it really needed to be a two-part pilot. I, I think it would have been fine as just kind of two separate episodes, you know? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, but we've know. seen this it... in the past. You know, it's like uh, I'll, like Generation X, which is one of my favorite things because I loved X-Men growing up. Oh, right, yeah. You know, they had like a TV movie, and this was like how they used to do things, a special TV movie. And if it got good ratings, guess what? It was actually a pilot, you know? Yeah, yeah. So I could see them doing this again. It's like a little movie that becomes a pilot, so. Yeah, I mean, it's there's definitely, you know, some good parts and some bad parts. I mean, the whole hawk girl hawk man thing is just kind of painful to get through um i I, it's like you know anytime there's something going on with them you know you could probably you know go go get a snack or something and come (laughs) back (laughs) you know snart's great (laughs) there's there's a great line uh i i think it was uh he was talking with with rip and he's you know he's actually i'm in charge in case any of you forgot and you know snart just replies well i remember i just don't care yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's a great character yeah and uh, the the cadence is weird yep but uh it is like like you said it's growing on me too a little bit yeah i mean it's i would say give it a watch it, you know if you've if you enjoy dc comics if you've enjoyed you know flash and the arrow uh it it's more in the vein of you know the flash than the arrow you know it's it's mm-hmm. got a lot more comedic stuff going on it's lighter um, yeah yeah i don't think it's quite as good as the flash i mean it, it's still you know i i haven't seen the third episode yet but you know it, it's it has potential it, it could be good you know especially like we were saying earlier uh if they do kind of a villain of the week or or thing like that, uh, you know, I think that could be really fun. You could get into a lot of like lesser known side characters and stuff from the comics. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, there's lots of opportunity for tons of like Easter egg stuff, which I find really interesting. Yeah. Always my favorite stuff in these comic book adaptations is the the little Easter eggs. And it's, you know, like I said, I'm not too versed in DC, but I, I love doing the research and finding out that the, this is a very old thing that they put in and they really didn't even have to do it. Yeah. Like, Rip Hunter himself, I don't think I mentioned, he's from a, a comic showcase, number 20, May 1959. I think he was even a Jack Kirby character. Uh, what, what do you think of using Rip Hunter here? Uh, it's, it's not bad. It, it's good. It gives kind of a, you know, like, he's the one they're all kind of banding around to kind of go on. And I'm trying to remember, wasn't he, he was part of some team with, uh, with was it Rick Flagg? Yeah, he was part of the Challengers of the Unknown. Oh, okay, yeah. And that that was a, a Kirby creation from 1957. And from from the success of that comic came Cave Carson and Rip Hunter. And I think they even made Rip Hunter later on Booster Gold's son? What? Yeah. Huh. Which is funny because Booster Gold was going to have his own series on, I believe, the Sci-Fi Network, but those plans were scrapped. Yeah. And he's a pretty fun character. I wouldn't mind seeing him show up here, especially when now time travel is part of it. Why not add Booster Yeah, Gold? exactly. Yeah, I mean, he showed up over on, on Smallville for a while, so. Yeah. Hello, father. <laughs> so, yeah, and, and I mean, they've even copped to the idea that, you know, this is uh, uh, part comics, but it, very influenced by Doctor Who as well. You know, the whole time mask. Oh, yeah, and, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, so, so what did you think? Worth watching? Well, like you, I think it's very promising. I think that it was courageous of the creators to embark on a time travel adventure like this, but they have to be very careful with the details. So right. far, we've seen so many instances and in it's where it's like, 
why didn't they do this? Why didn't they just do this? Or why are they interfering in this way? Doesn't this have devastating consequences? And yeah. It, it seems to be we only see the consequences for certain things. You know, not everything seems to have devastating consequences. And some don't happen for a while. They take a while to take effect, which is uh, strange. Yeah. But I do love the secondary characters, these ancillary characters. I'm always a sucker for that kind of story, too, uh, where they bring in... Uh, little-known characters, and especially as a team. The Flash, Arrow, that can kind of get boring for me unless I see some side characters and some other adventures. Uh, here we get a whole team of characters that, uh, even if you're not super familiar with the comics, you still maybe have heard of the Green Arrow and Adam and Flash and Hawkman and Hawkgirl. So we are familiar somewhat with these characters. They introduced some new ones too, and uh, it, it's pretty fun. I, I recommend if you haven't seen much of Vandal Savage to check out a animated film called Doom, Justice League Doom. And uh, it's one of those, you know, direct-to-video releases that DC has done. And it's just about how Vandal Savage rises to power and how the Justice League have to face him. It's just kind of a, a nice uh, companion piece to this to see that he is a dangerous guy. Who loves his bombs. <laughs> he pets them. Yes. <laughs> But again, I, I think the casting is pretty good. Of course, it's not hard once you've already done the casting in previous years. Just bring mm -hmm. all these people back. Yeah. But uh, I think just even the original casting of these people is really good. I, I look forward to seeing what they do next. It's going to be a little tiring just, you know, going back and we got to stop Vandal Savage here. Now we got to stop Vandal Savage here. Uh, like you said, I'd like to see some new villains sh show up and maybe complicate matters for them and... Maybe uh, a couple character arcs here and there uh, before they actually continue on fighting Vandal Savage, as that being the overall arc of the seasons. And uh, I'd like to see where they go with this. But, you know, don't get into this thinking that you're going to get this very well-grounded comic book adaptation. This isn't gritty and real by any means. It's very comic book-like, and the logic is right out of a comic book. Yeah. It's like, why does this happen? Well, it does. Continue. Next page. You know, <laughs> which is fine. I, I don't expect, you know, something that's going to blow me away as being like uh, the Dark Knight or anything like that here. But uh, it, it's fun to see real life superheroes and uh, the special effects, which we really haven't talked about, are not they're bad. good. Yeah. yeah. I, I think with the advancements in technology, they're able to do a lot of this, you know, cheaper than before. Uh, like I said, the wings on Hawkman and Hawkgirl, it's like, why even bother? But I understand why they need them. But yeah. uh, other than that, very impressed with the look of the show. Everything seems to be steel blue or bright orange. <laughs> Unless you're in the 70s, and like we said, everything's tinted yellow. Well, that'll pretty much do it for this episode of Hitting Play. As always, you can email us with your comments, suggestions, your hieroglyphic love poems, whatever you got for us, at hittingplayshow at gmail.com, or talk to us on Twitter at Hitting Play. Now, Kevin, do you have anything you want to plug? Sure. Uh, you can find me online uh, at onewallcinema.com. I'm also, you can find One Wall Cinema on Facebook, on Google+. Uh, I'm on Twitter at One Wall Cinema, on Vine, uh, pretty much just about everywhere <laughs> as uh, One Wall Cinema. Uh, I do some mystery science theater type commentary stuff uh, that can be, you can find the links to that on uh, on our website. Um, and actually, if you use the, uh, if you go to Gumroad and uh, want to pick one of those up, use the coupon code Hitting Play, 
uh, and I think anything over a dollar will drop the price down to a dollar, I believe. Awesome. I got a YouTube uh, channel as well uh, where my kids make some some videos uh, doing unboxing stuff. So if you want, check that out, subscribe, all that good stuff. That would be awesome. Yeah, they're very funny. You guys do a great job with those. Thank you. I am on Twitter as well. My name there is at MC and Friends. You can follow me there. I'm also on Vine. There my name is also MC and Friends. And there I do flip page cartoons, little humorous animations. And check my stuff out there. If you listen to us on iTunes, please subscribe and leave us a five-star review. It helps us out. And if you do, you will get a shout out on the show. We try to be creative with those. For Android users, we are also available to stream and or download on Stitcher. And we can now be found on TuneIn Radio and coming soon to Google Play. Well, we have been Kevin and Scott, and this has been Hitting Play. Thank you so much for listening. All right. Well, don't go screwing with the timeline, you know, unless you want to.